I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to The Bird Rights. My name is Preston Ellis, and I'm the host for the new home to all things Pelicans on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Follow us at The Bird Rights and get all the latest on your Pelicans at TheBirdRights.com. Welcome to the Bird Calls Podcast. Now, we may have lost last night, but I feel like a winner today because I am joined by the editor of the Bird Rights, Ali Cosell. What's up, dude? Not a whole lot, buddy. The weather's good. Um, talking to you's even better. You're right. What's one loss on the schedule? Right? We had one five or six. We're getting spoiled anyways. It must be the weather. Maybe it's the time of year, man. But uh, we lost a bad one last night, but I'm in a great mood, too. Uh, and maybe it's because uh, we're also joined by the man who would turn... Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Mobs against Alvin Gentry. It's Kevin Berrios. Yeah, man. I'm on the forefront of the... I'm like the, the clown at the Apollo that comes out with the with the cane and hooks you brings out stage. <laughs> moms against alvin gentry by kevin Barrios. uh let's start with kevin uh since we spoke the pelicans are two and one with victories against the shorthand clippers that was 111 to 103 and the hawks 106 to 105 that one uh that one uh all the our our, our tensions were high let's say uh more so than last night both having played their third game in four nights the Pels got another sleep-deprived uh, Toronto Raptors team who ended the Pels' streak of good fortune, 125 to 116. Uh, grade the, the Pelicans' week for us, Kevin. I think I think Ollie might have had the Pelicans going 2-1 and one this week, and you had them 3-0, and oh, or maybe I'm flip-flopping that. But go ahead and grade the Pelicans' week for us in terms of what you think they were going to do and talk about some of the biggest things, both good and bad, that stood out to you this week. Okay. Um, I'll give it uh, – I'm going to give it a C um, because – you know, I thought there was – I mean, we won the Atlanta game, and that is a great thing to win a game, obviously, especially, like, in the early part of the season when you're still trying to figure yourself out. And this game will not come back to haunt us when we're trying to make the playoffs. You know, you saw how many times losing to bad teams hurt us in the past, but we beat them. But it wasn't a game that made you feel that good. Um, and then last night, a lot of problems flared up. Uh, again, playing an entire team that – you know, that out energyed us after the first quarter. We had a lot of energy in the first quarter, um, but then it sort of uh, just went away. Um, but there were positives and everything, and there were, you know, the typical negatives that I, I see all the time. Um, but I'll go positives first. I mean, we got – I don't know what it is about Toronto. I don't know what they did to Drew Holiday, but he plays like he wants to kill them, and I wish – whatever they did to him every nba city would do to him because if we had holiday attacking like that on a regular basis you know i would have a lot more i mean it would make me a lot happier to see i saw him bully ball people down into the post uh shooting layups on him he was dunking uh he did he had a crazy putback dunk um it did not look like drew holiday uh at least not the one i'm used to it looks more like Tyreek Evans in a way, except for like Tyreek can't dunk like Drew was dunking last night. So, um, you know, that was, that was positive. Um, it's also been very positive to see Darius Miller continue to shoot the ball really well. I think it, um, your old, uh, partner from Pelican debrief, uh, is it, is it Chris Connor? I don't, he, he, he named him. He, he's in patient bull on Twitter. Yeah. I know his first name's Chris. Uh, 
but he he gave him the moniker Darius Reggie Miller, which I love. Um, <laughs> I think we need to make some shirts with with the, the choking sign, but put Darius's face over it. That'd be pretty cool. Um, so that's great to see that happening. Dante's been playing a little bit better. Great to see Rondo back. Rondo minutes have been very good. Um, he had that one particular. Uh, there was that one particular possession. I I said like you know you guys can have all that New Orleans bottle cap art and blue dog paintings and all hanging in your house. I want to get that, that one possession uh, with the multiple passes where he ended up kick. I forgot who he even kicked it to. I think it was, uh, might've been, yeah, it was Anthony Davis for the dunk um, framed on a loop in my house's art. Um, so seeing that ball movement, his vision has been great. Uh, defensive rotations have been pretty weak. Uh, Anthony Davis is, kind of not being as aggressive as I would like to see. Um, we're still getting tired boogie towards the end of the game, which has a lot to do with the way we play the game. Um, I can go into more detail on some of those negatives later, but let's let Ollie give his uh, positives that he saw. Uh, before I let Ollie talk, Ollie, you just came from practice. Any uh, breaking news updates or quotes you want to throw at us before we get into your grace for the week? Nothing too special. Um, on a quick injury front, Tony Allen should be playing, and that's what we assumed all week. Allen Gentry kind of alluded to that he'd be returning for the Denver Nuggets game on Friday. I asked him about Alexia Gensa today because nobody's asked him about him. And it's funny that he called him day-to-day, but yet he doesn't have a timetable, and it sounds like they don't have a full grasp yet on how to get him better. So it was interesting that he called him day-to-day, but yet there's, you know, who knows when he's coming back. So anyways, outside of that, um, Alvin made a particular point because we've been hammering him. You know, the media has been asking him about what's up with all the three point, opponent three-point shooting. You know, they're just making them left and right. And he claims that after watching video last night that 12 of their 16 makes were pretty much contested. Um, I can remember several, you know, that were crazy. Like C.J. Miles was really on fire. Kyle Lowry hit like one or two. But if it's true, I mean, I you know, you have to believe Alvin Jester's telling the truth. I mean, is, what would that make? If three-quarters of all their made threes were contested? Yeah, so if it's anything like that, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough to be a team when they're on fire like that because what else more can the Pelicans do? Um, I honestly had a bigger problem with their um, pressuring the ball, staying in front of their men, because all night it seemed like they got into the paint at will. And, uh, you know, their three-point percentage was great, but everybody's overlooking a couple other factors. And I'm sorry I'm going in this recap, but, you know, it makes sense because that, that loss did hurt, Preston, as you opened up the show with. Um, the defense – has kind of been bad all around. They give so many easy looks at the rim. Uh, boxing out's kind of an issue again. And you know what nobody's talking about offensively is Anthony Davis. He hasn't attempted more than 15 shots in four games. I know Will pointed that out uh, today on Twitter. But, you know, I think that's kind of – how do I put it? It's a domino effect. You know, it, it, obviously if he's not taking a shot, somebody else will. And, you know, AD started the season so hot. I mean, his – efficiency um, was out of this world where he was, you know, had a true shooting percentage um, over 60%, something like that. So suddenly he's not getting those looks. So suddenly somebody else is shooting them. And if it's not Etwan Moore, Darius Miller, super on fire, you got to think that we're trading for more inefficient shots and not getting as many points per possessions back. So I think it's going to be key to get Anthony Davis back involved, get him 20 shots a game, get him on a move, get him away from these double teams. Um, I think that's almost as big of a problem as, as, you know, everybody's pointing to the defense, which sounds like a lot of teams have been getting kind of lucky on us lately. Um, I didn't see the rotation issues being that bad last night as compared to uh, previous games like the Atlanta Hawks was abysmal. And the first Toronto Raptors game, I thought we gave them a lot more open looks too. So, I don't know. There's a lot of problems, but there are positives, as you mentioned. So, let's swing back to that if you want to. Yeah, let's uh, let's stay on three-point shooting for a bit. I know it's getting uh, done to death on Twitter today, but uh, that's interesting that Alvin Gentry said that. There, a lot of people were referring to them as just uh, hot shooting. Jameer Nelson uh, said that. Uh, a couple of quotes from him on thebirdrights.com said, you, it's difficult to slow a team like that down when, you know, just everything they're chucking up is going in. But, Kevin, on the year, uh, the Pelicans are 27th in giving up most three-pointers uh, per game. Bottom five, I think there's somewhere about 13 three-pointers per game they're allowing their opponents to hit do you think it was just a fluky game last night or do the pelicans really have trouble at slowing down the three-point game i mean the league is shifting to taking more threes so you're always going to be opening yourself up to that anyway and also when you have anthony davis and demarcus cousins 
down there, you know, it's less inviting to try to score in the post. So people are going to take more threes against us regardless. Um, but uh, I think it, it did have a lot to do with people being exceptionally hot last night. Um, I mean, I saw some guys hit shots that were crazy. I mean, of course, there is always, you know, the time where we leave a guy open and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I think it's we've had some bad luck in that game. Other games, uh, rotations are bad. People were left wide open. Uh, but this one wasn't that much of that case. I do agree with Alvin Gentry on that. Okay, I'll swing this back to Ali. Uh, I want to touch a bit on uh, Drew Holiday. Kevin mentioned that he's played really well this year against uh, Toronto. He had 18 points last night. I think something like 11 of 18 shooting. And on the year, a couple of people, I think Kumar might have been the first one to point this out. On the year, he's averaging 56% from two-point range. The reason that his numbers look so bad is because he's been so bad from three. I think he's somewhere about uh, 22%. And there was a good article over on Pelican Debrief about how uh, he's actually a better three-point shooter off the dribble than he is catch-and-shoot. He's never been a very good catch-and-shoot uh, three-point shooter, so that's something that he's figuring out. Ali, he's got, uh, I think, 14, 6, and 5 on the year. These are uh, the most rebounds he's ever gotten. He's he's pretty close to uh, his best year in assists. Those two years both came in Philly, but in New Orleans, he's he's doing pretty well. Do you think he's starting to put it together, Ali? Yeah, I think so, because you just simply look at the turnovers, how he's attacking, which he is actually attacking room, as Kevin mentioned. He had three dunks yesterday. I mean, I don't know who posted that on our main account on Twitter, but in 2014 and 15, would he have like two cold dunks in 1,300 minutes or something? So, yeah, it's great to see that he's uh, kind of filling the role that Rondo even said in training camp he would do. He said Drew Holiday was going to end up with more layups than he ever had in his career. And last night with Rondo out there, it, you know, it came to fruition. So, the hope is after that his three-point shooting comes around. I noted that same thing that Kumar said, that his two-point percentage um, is, is on a, was it on a career track best um, a couple of weeks ago, and it's great to see that he's maintaining it. Why not have an attacking guard? Um, I thought there was a, several times last night where he got fouled, but the refs just don't seem to pay him any attention. It, you know, he doesn't complain. He, I know that he doesn't go into the, an opponent's chest very well. He kind of – still tries to avoid contact, even though there's contact being made. I think that might be part of the problem. Also, he, he hasn't learned to yell like Eric Gordon or Russell Westbrook or you name it. I mean, this guy is just quiet. He, he never says anything, but he's going to need to change something because he is getting hit on a lot of shots, just not getting any calls. Um, you know, and, and that's something we do need to touch on, guys, is the Pelicans' frustration real quick. Uh, the boogie called it out. He, he was the only one in the locker room to say, We've got to do a better job of keeping our frustrations in check when things aren't going our way. And, you know, what? I think that's 100% true. And, you know, it starts with the guy who uttered those words. Boogie's been known to have these same issues. Um, if it's not going his way, he's going to start, you know, either jacking up shots or not trying on defense. So I think we saw both of them last night, especially defensively. You know, the coach is crying about fouls, right? He's crying about fouls. Our guys are in trouble. How can, you know, we compete? Well, Two of Boogie's 3,000 that first half were totally on him, reaching around badly on uh, bounce units on the post on one and swiping right across his body on another. So, I mean, you just can't do that stuff, you know. I, here I go again being negative. I've turned around from talking about Drew Holiday positives. I'm sorry, Preston. But, no, it's great to see Drew. He is bouncing back. I mean, if you eliminate that Clippers game, he's had a really a good stretch here in the last four games. Um, he's taken a strong hoop. His defense is still, I think, he's, he's our best defender out there currently. He was the only one that DeMar DeRozan didn't really try and attack hard every time last night. And if you notice, DeMar barely shot the ball in those first two quarters, uh, especially that first quarter. I noticed Drew, after each one more start out on DeRozan, really shut him down as to where he was just passing the ball. And then, you know, for the rest of the game, each one more, Dante Cunningham, whoever else, ended up on DeRozan. He torched him to death. So we need Tony Allen back because right now Drew Holiday is that only solid defender out there. So Drew's done a lot of good, Preston, a lot of good. Everybody's just staring at that three-point percentage, but there's so much more going on in the game. The fact that turnovers are down now, um, I think we're finally going to get at least somewhat of the return the Pelicans were hoping to get when they re-signed them. 
Yeah, let's continue on this train of thought, Kevin. Uh, you're listening to The Bird Rights here on Nothing But Net Network on the Dash Radio. Uh, some of the quotes from Alvin Gentry, other, other than the fact that two of our best players were sitting on, on the bench for most of the first half, foul trouble. and then, But it's hard to do that when your best two players are sitting on the bench in foul trouble. It's, it's nice that we have the three of us because we kind of balance each other out. I feel like we, we alternate uh, panicking and, and being positive and and while I walked away from last night feeling a bit more positive than I usually do in loss, I'm much more positive than I was after the Atlanta Hawks win the other night. Uh, Kevin, what do you think about uh, a team like Ali mentioned that that so easily um, becomes overcome by frustration? I remember uh, there was one, of course, DeMarcus Cousins had a lot of uh, outbursts, but even Anthony Davis uh, got into it with Siakam and the camera, sure, the camera guy did a great job because uh, they zoomed right in on, Siak- on Siakam's face as Anthony Davis was was yelling something at him, going into his ear. And Siakam, you could see him just putting his hands up like, I don't know what this dude's deal is. And the referee took a look at him and Siakam did this like hilarious take to the referee, kind of like, I don't know what his problem is. But anyway, Kevin, talk about the, uh, talk a bit more about what Ali was saying, that the team gets frustrated and, and then the coach during the press conference is seemingly bailing them out. Uh, instead of talking about the things that they did wrong, just just putting the onus on on the on the referees. Do you think that helps like bond a team together or do you think it's just a bad scapegoat for Alvin Gentry to take that route? Oh, that's tough to say. I mean, last night's game, I'll just talk about last night's game in a vacuum. I mean, you're, you're playing against Boogie was on against Valanciunas who is a pretty dirty player or like maybe not dirty, but like a cheap trick kind of player. And he was getting away with a lot last night and a lot of, you know, when you're getting elbowed constantly, and you're not getting calls, but touch files are getting called on the other side. It gets frustrating. And um, it was just a, I thought it was a very weirdly uh, officiated game. Um, I mean, even down to like, we had a minute left, we were down by 14 and they're going to call a delay a game to like make somebody shoot a technical free throw to in fact, just keep delaying the game from ending. It was just, it was just a, uh, I thought it was just a poorly officiated game. But of course, you know, that's something that these guys have to get used to. But I mean, we've seen it for, um, you know, in the past, like I, I would compare Valanciunas to John Stockton in that way. John, the, there were guys that just got away with all these like tricks, hooks, elbows, grabs, pushes constantly. And, and they weren't getting called and that really would get inside their opponent's head. And, you know, Cousins obviously has this track record of that. And so players are going to do it even more against him, especially if the calls are not going his way. And that's going to get him out of his own game. And that's something that he definitely needs to work on and and other members of the team as well. But they also have to sort of unite it in, in a way where it's like, okay, they're not going to give us that. It's just us against them and we have to deal with it and just brush it off and laugh at it and and just try to overcome it. But also Alvin Gentry should do a little bit more of like quick sub in and outs just to give a guy a cool, let him cool his head off and put him right back in, you know, that's at the next stoppage that can also work in managing those situations. Yeah, I just want to touch on another thing that I just remembered. Uh, Ali, if you want to talk about this, there was one exchange in the third quarter where it was it was pretty hilarious. I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Jonas Valanciunas extended the ball out with his palm while DeMarcus Cousins, like a little schoolyard kid, was like jumping up like, Mom, he won't give me the ball. He won't give me the ball and, and triggered a delay of game. Uh, what did you think of that exchange? Yeah, it's well known that DeMarcus always needs to grab the ball when he's involved in some play. Somehow... You know, that's always been his thing, and Jonas knew that, and he taunted him. And you know what? DeMarcus fell for it. I mean, he did. He looked a little foolish out there needing to get the ball. Um, You know, that just goes to show that DeMarcus' tendencies need to be broken, some of these bad habits. He's he's a wonderful player. No, nobody get me wrong, start saying we got to trade this guy or he's crap. No, no, this guy's 99% of everything he brings is a positive for this organization, but there's just those two couple things, and that's one of them. He easily gets missed, frustrated by whether somebody says something, does something, and that's got to change because it's obvious. Alan Shunis over the last week has really, really gotten to the guy's head. Um, and as Kevin said, the guy plays a dirtier type of game. Like I would call it a more traditional game, the way uh, bigs used to play against one another, trying to get any advantage, a push here, shove there, you know, get away with anything you can. So it's just something he's got to fight through and figure out. But one thing, one other thing I wanted to touch on too was you asked uh, Kevin about Alvin Gentry kind of just ending every answer with uh, 
it's hard to play this game with our two best players on the bench. That wasn't Alvin um, avoiding questions. It was merely to send a point. He just simply flat said, this press conference is all going to be about sending a point. I thought the referees didn't officiate the game correctly. Get True. I mean, when's the last time you saw AD and Boogie get uh, – 6,000 between them, and then they didn't even total 30 minutes, you know, as to where Sir, I think, maybe had one and Valanciunas had two. Um, and we weren't getting to the free throw line. You know, it wasn't just those two players. It was all over the course. So I understand what Gentry did. It wasn't so much as he avoided the questions because today in practice, he obviously answered everything and said, yeah, these guys were hot, but, you know, we got to do a better job here, here, and here. But, you know, last night was totally just about sending that message without getting fined, I believe. Yeah, I never understood the purpose of that, Kevin. Uh, obviously, at the end of every contest, they send over video and clips of all their queries to the NBA front office. So I, I don't know what they what they hope to gain from telling the press that they were done wrong in the contest. Uh, but let's let's move on from that. I don't think that's an important story, uh, Kevin. Let's talk more about offense. Obviously, uh, the return of Rajon Rondo lifted our offense to another level in terms of passing. We were seeing some Harlem Globetrotter stuff out there in the first quarter. Uh, the Pelicans right now are fifth in the league in scoring in the first, and they systematically drop as the game goes on. You can attribute that to fatigue with Drew Holiday and uh, DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis all averaging 38 minutes per game or more. Or do you think there's more to that? Right now they're fifth in the first, 13 in the second, 21st in the third, and 24th in the final period. Why does the scoring drop off so significantly as the game goes on? You know, I mean, that's that's a tough uh, thing to answer. Um, I think first of all, when we see Rondo out there, there's just, you know, he's moving the ball. He's making things happen. He's really creative. Um, so once he's playing a regular allotment of minutes and we see him more playing, you know, evenly throughout the game, that's going to, I expect that to change, but also just the, the idea of not only is he going to make the team better with his play, that also means that, uh, players that aren't as good as him aren't going to get as many minutes or will have different options in different lineups to create um, better lineups uh, to, to match against people, which will also contribute. So those kind of things will flow down. Um, personally, I do believe that playing at such a high pace is counterproductive to the kind of team we are because we are a too big team. And then also, as I've said before, like I think Alvin Gentry is the exact wrong coach for uh, DeMarcus Cousins because he's encouraging him to play more at the at the three-point line. So he's already out there backing up threes and also getting him to push uh, the ball up, um, So that's, that, which takes energy. Um, so, like, if he's, if he's encouraging him to jack up threes towards the end, if he's got tired legs, he's going to be back there shooting shooting on jelly legs, shooting threes that aren't going in as the game goes by. Um, those things happen. But, you know, also if you slow it down and if you work more inside, you get to the foul line, which also slows the game down, gets you a few more moments of rest, shooting free throws. Um, those kind of things, I think, change the game. Also, you run more pick and rolls. You're freeing guys up off of you. Uh, so you're not constantly hounded by two people. You know, you're getting free uh, by running off of a screen. Those kind of things. Um, I just think those things factor, but I think, you know, like I said, once you get a full healthy squad and, you know, especially getting Rondo back, you can, you can like change the starting lineup. Um, I, I don't know what you guys feel. I think we, you know, Ali and I talked about this on the podcast where you had to uh, bolt on us, but um, <laughs> we, we, uh, we were talking about what we think the line, starting lineup should be when, uh, when Rondo's fully back. And I, we both agreed that we would go, uh, Rondo, Holiday, Darius Miller, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis. That way, Dante Cunningham can move to the bench and and uh, be that backup big that we need. Um, although Chuck Viala is looking pretty good offensively, he's still making a lot of mistakes defensively. But you know his energy's there, and he's you know he's not a total negative because he's producing on the offensive end. Um, so he'll continually grow, and then you have that better those two guys better uh coming off the bench to you know play whatever role you want if you want a guy inside then you can go with Diallo as the guy off the bench if you want a guy to stretch that can stretch the defense out a little bit more maybe um with three-point shooting you have Dante then of course you know Etwan moves to the bench who um last night he didn't look 
very good coming off the bench, but, you know, he's been a little bit up and down all season, so I'm not ready to say that he can't make it as a bench player. But, you know, you can put him there. You can, Now you have Dante, you have Etwan, and you have Jameer coming off the bench, and then you still have Ian Clark also. So now you have some bench scoring. Your starting lineup has scoring. Um, you know, if Darius can sustain, I don't expect him to sustain, sustain the high, the super high level of shooting that he has right now. But, you know, if he's shooting, you know, 36, 38% from three, you know, your starting lineup's potent offensively. Um, and then you got a lot of ways to mix match from there for matchup purposes. So all of that is going to help. And I, and uh, so I don't expect that to stay, although I think you will still see a decline going into the fourth quarter just because of the speed that we play play at and the size of our team. Uh, I definitely want to stay on this, Ali. Uh, he brought up some good points. Uh, Czech Diallo is playing a bit better. He had eight points in just 14 minutes last night. And although he's still figuring it out defensively, he's not a total disaster as he was in the, the season opener where he, I think, had three fouls and a three-second violation in his first, like, one or two minutes. Uh, and Darius Miller, of course, he mentioned in six of his past seven games, he scored nine points or more. Uh, Ian Clark, we haven't seen in a while. Ali, talk about talk about some of these rotations Kevin has brought up, and are they the culprits for the the Pelicans lagging and scoring as the game goes on? Do you think it's just the fatigue of the superstars? What do you attribute it to? That's exactly it. We start off the season with just two guys coming out firing, and that's Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins. There was literally nobody else contributing consistently. Um, if you look over the last six games, the Pelicans' number one scoring quarter is still the first quarter, but then it jumps to the third quarter. And the drop-offs are extreme as to where I think it starts with a high of 28.5 the first quarter. Uh, the low is 25.5 in the fourth. But it's relatively all equal when you also look at the opponent's scoring. No, we've gotten deeper and, uh, simply by having better contributions across the board. So I don't think this – I think it was a, definitely a fatigue argument early. But now, it's, you know, I, I don't think it plays into as much. And you can tell by just simply the number of shot attempts from uh, all the other players. Uh, it's definitely on the rise with all the role players, as it should be. Uh, it shouldn't come down to just two guys giving you 70 points a night. Uh, eventually, teams will be able to game plan that very easily. And, you know, the Hawks tried to do that and dared us, and luckily Darius Miller showed up that game. Um, I think that's what we get to look forward to. And here's the biggest thing that we've got to really realize. The turnovers have been an issue. Their offense has died. And you know what? It's been because DeMarcus Cousins has been given that responsibility. Today in practice, what did he say when somebody asked him about Rajon Rondo coming back? He's happy as hell he's now able to give up the ball and, you know, have somebody else initiate the offense for however many minutes uh, Rondo's going to be out there, which sounds like it's going to be close to half the game uh, in Denver. So this is all bodes well for the offense and defense because you got to realize it, it's all like a domino effect. If you have a bad possession on offense, um, either get a bad shot um, or a bad – three-point attempt where everybody's out of position to get back in transition defense. That's where, you know, that's what's really killed us in the beginnings. Uh, remember all those games where we did give up 20-whatever uh, turnovers and it was resulting, and I think the worst game was against the Clippers, where we gave up 33 points off of turnovers. Uh, that's the only reason why they hung around the game, because they honestly, we were a lot better team that night. They just simply hung around because of all of our mistakes. And it's kind of unfortunate we weren't able to take advantage of that last night. In addition to Anthony Davis having a really bad second half last night that nobody's talking about, the Toronto Raptors had 21 turnovers last night. We didn't do a good enough job of, uh, you know, taking advantage of that. So, th see, th th there's all these things, Preston. You know, at first we thought, okay, if we just can get some players around Anthony Davis and DeMarc and start contributing consistently, hey, we're going to start winning a whole bunch of games. But now we've got all these new set of problems, which I think are good. It's showing that the uh, rest of the team is coming around that we're getting uh, a lot more minutes being played by certain rotation players. So they're not gelling quite in the court and that it's showing up on defense when somebody misses a rotation. That's why teams are suddenly, I feel like, you know, we shouldn't be giving up this many three point shots. I know the NBA is training that way, but you've got to be able to run them off. And in the past, we've done a recently good job with that, with Darren Ehrman's uh, versatile switching scheme. So, Honestly, I think the biggest thing is now we just need all these units to gel. Uh, Rajon with the starting lineup, and then we got to figure out a bench rotation because each one more moving back to the bench last night. Wow, he didn't look like the same guy we saw in the last previous three games. 
Um, it's not that he lacked for confidence, but it just seemed like he couldn't get the shots in his positions that we saw him getting uh, with the starters. Um, but it's going to be important to get him going off the bench, both him um, with Jameer Nelson and then Darius Miller. And, yes, I agree with Kevin that we do need to at some point really focus on the future starting lineup. But since we've already talked to death about, you know, who Dante Cunningham should be replaced by, let's just move on from that. Um, yeah, Preston, but just in general, these rotations, it, it's an ever-changing thing. Um, in the, in, you know, in the first, what, 10 games, Alvin Gentry had nothing but the starters to rely on, and now we've got a lot more people, and now we're integrating Rondo back in. So, yeah, there's going to be some of those bumps. I think we saw them a lot last night. First first half, Rondo made everything sing. No matter how bad our defense was, we were still right there with the Raptors. Uh, we were over, able to overcome Diallo's mistakes on defensive end. Why? Because we were putting up points. And I think that's key. That's something you got to remember. Diallo is not going to be a two-way player, but if I'm the coaching staff, if I can get at least points out of Diallo, get him out there for 10 minutes, uh, we can live with the rough you know, couple of minutes on defense because, let's face it, he needs that learning time anyways, that development. So if they can just kind of be a net zero, is I guess what I'm getting at. If you can be a net zero with your weaker lineups and just have, you know, your main guys be a positive, that should, you know, theoretically be wins almost every time, right? Yeah. Uh, Kevin, by the way, uh, you guys are listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Uh, Ali brought up turnovers. Uh, he, he talked about a lot there covering rotations, and we're going to have to figure out uh, what that's going to look like now with, as Ali said, Rashawn Rondo potentially playing over 20 minutes uh, against Denver on Friday. But I definitely want to touch on uh, turnovers a bit more before we go on, because there's been a big debate. It's been a hot story on Twitter for Pelicans fans right now, because while we are 26th in the NBA uh, at turnovers at, I believe, something around 17th per game, we're we're third in the NBA in assists at 26 per game, and we're getting a lot of easy looks in the paint. We're uh, second in points in the paint at 53. A lot of that can be attributed to Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. But while we are giving the, the ball away at a good clip, uh, our assist to turnover ratio is still sixth in the NBA. Are, are turnovers a red herring for the Pelicans uh, passing the ball as much as they do right now, Kevin? Uh, obviously, there, there are some of those dumb turnovers that we're, you know, we're getting a bit frustrated watching, like Boogie you know, dribbling the ball off of his foot or Drew Holiday's errant passes. But at the end of the day, are, are we hung up too much on turnovers? Is this as serious as we're all making it out to be? Or is this just a byproduct of a team that uh, gets a lot of easy baskets from uh, proficient passing, Kevin? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, there's a lot of – there's some, some careless turnovers. And some things are just chemistry, learning uh, where people are going to be. And that's, that's, like, to be expected when you're running an offense that's more based off of reading, reacting, and free flow. You know, there's going to be some miscommunication, passing to the wrong spot, or just a, a bad pass because somebody has to think instead of knowing exactly where everybody's supposed to be and what the next uh, progression is. Um, and Rondo will clean a lot of that up. Um, but, um, I mean, also right now, another thing that Rondo is going to help clean up is exactly what Ali said, is it'll get the ball out of Cousins' hands more. I was kind of expecting to see a little bit more of that last night, and I didn't. Like, I was expecting Rondo to sort of demand the ball from him and, instead of letting him bring it up sometimes. But uh, there's a few times where he brought the ball up and sort of ignored Rondo. Um, but we'll see how that changes as it goes on. Um, but that that's going to help that. Because one thing is DeMarcus Cousins, if he's operating from the top of the key, uh, the top of the arc, which he normally is operating from, you know, that's where he usually starts with the ball. If he's driving in, he's a big man with a high with a high dribble, so that's easy to be stripped. Um, so you're going to have some of those turnovers, but the plays that that creates off of that and the impact that it creates off of that is uh, worth it, you know. But the other thing is is that if instead of starting him at the top of the, uh, of the arc, is if you get him and if Rondo's bringing the ball up and you want Boogie to run some offense through him, you let Boogie post up at the elbow or get at the elbow or even closer in the post, and then Rondo can get him a pass, and then he can operate from there, which would be a better situation instead of him having to get up there with his own dribble, and, and it's a high dribble and the ball's exposed. So those kind of things will start to clean themselves up. And then, of course, as we keep saying, once the lineups start playing together enough, they get familiar with each other, comfortable with 
each other's tendencies to know where they're typically going. Because, I mean, really early on in the season, I saw a lot of guys cutting, uh, but they were cutting to the same spot. So instead of creating space, they were actually um, they're actually creating congestion. So, I mean, all those things will clean themselves up as this develops. Um, so while it's definitely something to concern, be concerned about, it's something they need to fix soon, um, I think there are things that are going to clean itself up, but, but there are turnovers that we just should expect because it's a fast-paced team that is uh, predicated on making a lot of passes. So, you know, when you're doing that, when you're moving the ball, not only are you creating open spots, but you're also exposing the ball in the air, which, you know, obviously can become a turnover at any point. And, Ali, let's continue this train of thought. We've got a question from Crescent City Connect, and the question is, do we need Rondo more than we think we do? And I think uh, after last night's brief performance in 14 and a half minutes, uh, we're all excited to see more of Rajon Rondo. Uh, he he held the, I think it was our second lowest turnover total of the season at just 14, which is still pretty high. Last year, our average was 13 per, per game. But with Rondo at the helm, everything, uh, like you said, just flowed together seamlessly. Talk about his overall game and what you expect to see uh, against the Nuggets. Do you think that was just like a, a brief snippet of, of what the Pelicans can look like for the remainder of the season? Or maybe we just caught lightning in the bottle uh, against the Raptors? No, we saw precisely why this team needs Rondo. Um, and he was signed for this very, very facet, you know. They wanted to move Drew Holiday off the ball. And we saw that last couple of years, especially last year with Tim Frazier getting so much run time. So this was always in the plans. They wanted to get another point guard in. And through the first 14 games, all we had was um, DeMarcus Cousins. And, uh, you know, everybody's complaining about his turnovers and such, but it is a direct correlation to me that his usage was gone through the roof and he was asked to, you know, fulfill a role he'd never even come close to playing before, trying to balance out between his scoring as well as getting others involved. So, Simply having Rondo back right there is going to help tremendously, I think, in the turnover department. Um, I also think it's going to take off, uh, you know, less pressure on Boogie means also we make, he may be able to save up some of his energy for defense, for later in games and such. You know, I don't think it can be overstayed. We've been operating without a point guard through 14 games trying to rely on an offense uh, that's supposed to create the looks that, you know, a good point guard does. And, you know, nobody's going to be able to learn – a system like, you know, we're trying to run what the Golden State Warriors are doing, a hybrid, I would say, between what the Warriors do and what the Nuggets did last season. And if you recall, both teams struggled with a lot of turnovers when they first went to those offenses. And you know what? They at least had um, good decision makers on the floor. We've had to do with Boogie, who's, who's good. But, you know, when you, ask some, when you ask a player to go above his comfort zone, this is, you know, this is the result. So, yes, short answer. Rajon Rondo coming back is going to be huge. And I do believe last night was kind of a fair representation of what you can see. Um, he's going to be able to find and get guys in the right position, but also be able to find them. For instance, Drew Hottie getting all those back cuts. You know, Hottie's been cutting almost every game. We've all noticed. And sometimes more and Hottie would get the ball in in the lane on a cut. But it's going to happen so much more frequently now with uh, Rondo back there. Um, it, it's, and you need these easy points. We saw... Uh, the Pelicans jump out to a 13 was, I believe, 30 to 16 uh, first quarter lead. And it was simply because we got all these great looks and it, most of the shots came at the rim. I know for the first quarter, the Pelicans only attempted four three-pointers. Um, I don't mind that at all. Forget this new trend. If you can get all these looks uh, around the hoop and you're making them, keep going at it. And I think with Rondo increasing his minutes, the guys getting more familiar, it's all going to come together. It's all going to improve the offense. That's the word now suddenly – Teams can't focus on Anthony from and DeMarcus from the tip, you know, and that's what we've seen lately. AD's just been literally taken out of games. Um, and, and I think that's going to change once, you know, we start jumping on teams by, you know, breaking them down everywhere else because we're getting easy looks. So, yeah, I've, I've pounded this to death, but Rajon Ronda is exactly what this team's been waiting for, and we, we, we've seen in his brief minutes exactly what, you know, the office is going to look like. Points are not going to be a problem, whether we're hitting from the outside or not. Kevin, I'm going to give you a chance to talk about Rajon Rondo in the next week's slate of games. Uh, I want to get to something fun uh, real quick before we go into predictions for the for the next week. And by fun, I mean I'm responding to a Twitter question, which basically is asking, 
predictions for when the Pelicans will make their next trade and will Del Dem, Del Dem still be the GM? And I, I think across the board, we can all agree that Del Dem's is going to be there for the remainder of the season, especially uh, getting off to this eight and seven star. We, we had talked over the off season. If, you know, if we're like four and 12 at this point, does everybody keep their jobs? Maybe not, but at eight and seven, I think it's pretty safe to say that these guys are probably here for the year, especially Del Demps. With that being said, uh, DeMarcus Cousins is averaging 38 minutes a game and Anthony Davis is as well. We've talked about Czech Diallo needing a bit more time before he can get into that 20 to 30 minute per game role. We might get a Jinsa back soon, but there's there's really no sign that he even wants to be a Pelican right now. He had some pretty negative tweets over the summer, just basically asking to, to be shipped off somewhere else. By all accounts, it doesn't seem like he's very happy. You guys mentioned at the, the, the preseason press conference last year, he was the most positive guy there. And this year, he was kind of down in the dumps. So let's go out on the trade market. Let's find ourselves a big man, Kevin. Um, some names I've got down here. Enos Cantor, Greg Monroe, Thaddeus Young, Tyson Chandler, Trevor Booker, maybe Jaleel Okafer. Is there anybody out there that you're specifically targeting, Kevin? Well, I mean, to answer that person's question, I would, I'm going to say first that as long as we don't have any other major injury, I don't see them really making any other trades. Um, but uh, as far as if we were to trade, well, let me explain that too also. is just because you know, if they do shuffle the lineup, even if they don't shuffle the lineup where Dante still stays the starter, he can more easily move to power forward uh, with Darius emerging a little bit. Uh, and also with Etwan being on the bench, that could also play small forward minutes. So it limits the amount of time you have to play him at small forward. So that helps with the big man situation. And it seems like they're, they are developing a trust with uh, – Diallo and they're willing to let him learn on defense while he's still con- like we already said contributing on offense and and I'm sure that's the hope they want him to really start taking those minutes and um and then like you said also Agenso will be back so that is a body that they can plug in there now in terms of big men that that I would target um one of my favorites uh for for many years uh that I really like is Kylo Quinn from New York uh, and he plays with New York Knicks. He's a really good rebounder. He, if you look at his, uh, his assist percentages, they're very high. They're, they're, they're like, uh, like Andrew Bogut level high. Um, He's a really good passer. So that fits in well. Like he's a good DeMarcus Cousins replacement. When he goes out, you can still sort of kind of run the same stuff. He's got a good mid range jumper. He's good in the post. He rebounds. He's an okay defender, solid defender, and he's even started shooting threes uh, a little bit. So, I mean, he's a guy I like. Uh, now, for shooting for the moon, uh, Rashawn Hobbs uh, over in Philly, love that guy. Super athlete, incredible shot blocker, incredible dunker, shoots the three very well. Um, I think he's going to be a very good player, and, like, he's going to struggle to get a lot of minutes in uh in philly because of the big in front of him of course that's a situation that he would have here as well although with his athleticism and anthony davis's athleticism and both of their abilities to shoot from range i think you could even have like a triple big lineup for minutes here which would be interesting um and then the other guy another shoot for the moon kind of guy is uh kyle anderson who i really like the six eight uh i think he's like 260 maybe um, guy who can play four positions, so he gives you that crazy flexibility. He has a very good handle. He's a really good defender, and he's a he's a great passer, and he looks to create more than he looks to score, but he has some really nifty moves around the basket. Not a great jump shooter. He's not great from three, but he's okay mid-range, and like I said, he's he's really good around the, and around the hoop. And then um, other, other guys that are possible, I mean, just because Jaleel Okafor is available, um, if if the, if there's a deal that you can make without giving up too much, I wouldn't mind having him on this roster. Just you know, make a trade, get him. He has potential, uh, and you know, I think you know, Agenza's salary can make that work if you're able to send them Agenza maybe a couple of seconds or something. I'm not sure I want to give up a first round pick for him. I, I mean, I definitely don't want to give up a first round pick for him. But if I'm giving up a couple of seconds and some cash or something fine uh, because he is good around the post. He's a good passer, terrible defender, but 
he also just is a guy that you can put in to get some buckets coming off the bench, you know, sort of like Oklahoma City used Cantor last year. Um, so those are the guys I, I would look at. But, again, I don't think – I really don't expect us to make – to be big players in the trade market right now unless, you know, somebody like Rodney Hood becomes available or somebody really big like that that has a low enough salary that you can get into a trade exception and then, um, you know, you're willing to give up some picks for – well, that's it. Ali, I, I just don't think the Pelicans can make it through this season without a, a legitimate third big. I don't think Agenza's that guy. Diallo doesn't look uh, comfortable enough to take that center position by himself. And I know the Pelicans really like having Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins on the floor at the same time. And staggering is going to make that difficult. If you got both guys, you know, on the court for 24 minutes by themselves, you're, you're going to have to play these guys at high volume all season just to get, you know, available time for them to be on the court together. Uh, do you do you see across the landscape somebody who can come in and help, or are you really trusting uh, Agensa to come in here and give some some meaningful minutes at center? Well, no, I'm not hoping for something like that. Uh, there's no reason to. If Alvin Gentry has no clue on even a timetable for his return, we can't count on him returning help anytime soon either. And we've seen what we've seen out of Diallo. So he's just a kid that's going to make mistakes. He's he's got a bright future, but yes, again, for a third big, that that's just not that's not optimal to say the least no right now Preston the fact that we haven't made a deal I think the Pelicans are definitely going to wait without a doubt um, there's probably some players that are on bad teams or just aren't wanted by their teams have been made available but I'm guessing that either they have multi-year contracts or they're demanding a first round pick which the Pelicans won't give up unless it's for a much better player, for a player who's going to see a bigger role. I do not believe in sending out a first-round pick for a guy that's going to, at max, get 24 minutes a game, and I hope the Pelicans see it the same way. Um, I almost have to assume they kind of are because, you know, move has not been made. No, what we're going to need to watch is um, in the next couple months, the teams that start falling off. Like, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, Utah Jazz, Miami Heat, all the ones that are below 500 that have maybe sustained some injury, um, once they start falling off, suddenly there's going to be a lot more players that hopefully have dealt them some, you know, choose choosing. So you can't put it, you can't pick out a name right now. Like for instance, I know a big name that's been mentioned a lot is Robin Lopez. Um, again, I just don't see it. You're going to bring this guy and come off our bench. Um, and you're going to try and integrate him and you're going to give up a first round pick just for him to maybe at best get 24 minutes a game. Sorry. I just don't see that. And another thing that we've got to mention is suddenly teams are figuring out and kind of slowing down that Anthony Davis-DeMarcus Cousins combo. And that's why Alvin had to go to a smaller lineup with AD against the Hawks. And, um, and I think we'll probably see it more down the road. I think staggering is going to become more part of the plan um, simply because we've got to give different looks. Teams have adjusted for our two bigs. And as we all know, they can't play these big minutes. So it kind of works almost in our favor. So, no, I know that people love new names, new new faces, uh, hope, so to speak, just from a trade, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, and when they do trade for a guy, I still expect it to possibly be a wing instead of a big. Um, I know they'll probably try and grab a big, but they're not going to pay anything premium. They're not going to give up a first-rounder. I just don't see it for that. I just hate the idea of uh, players like Jonas Valanciunas and the Atlanta Hawks just beating on Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins mercilessly throughout the season. And obviously, Anthony Davis has put on a, a lot more uh, muscle this year. And DeMarcus Cousins, of course, is one of the biggest centers in the NBA. But uh, I sure would like somebody to, to to give both of them some minutes at the power forward and kind of kind of take on that responsibility of, of throwing themselves against Jonas Valanciunas. Because, uh, you know, Anthony Davis isn't isn't that guy. Uh, he's, he's a much stronger player. He played really well against Blake Griffin. Uh, just looks like he has a lot more size than he has in the past, but just somebody in there who can kind of bang around. Kylo Quinn seems like a good candidate for that. And I don't think about it as just like borrowing Robin Lopez for, for 24 minutes per game, or I even thought Brooke Lopez might be an intriguing uh, prospect. Obviously the Lakers don't want to take on any long-term salary, even a year from Ashik or Ajinsa, but uh, just, just another big body. You're, you're giving up a first round pick, not only, uh, to acquire that player in that 20 minutes per game, but you're also unloading uh, Agensa and Ashik, and hopefully, you know, bringing in some much-needed cap flexibility uh, this summer. But let's let's move on. We've got a tough slate of games, and uh, this is going to be pretty important because we're playing against three other uh, Western Conference uh, playoff potential opponents in the Nuggets this Friday, the Thunder on Monday, and then the Spurs on Wednesday. 
before we get a bit of a reprieve against the Suns, let's start with uh, Kevin. How do you think uh, the Pelicans with their new look offense are going to fare against these three teams? And do you think we've got a shot of, uh, of winning any of these games? Well, first off, I'm really bummed that I'm going to, I have to work Friday night. So I'm going to miss this Denver game. I'm hoping I'll be able to catch it on the rebroadcast because the way league pass is, I can't watch it for three days until, you know, later after the blackout stuff. So that's kind of annoying, but um you know, I think that game will be an exciting game. You know, I obviously our two bigs should be really up for that game because they're always constantly compared to uh, Jokic and that Denver offense and what they do there. And like, you know, who's better, those uh, those three guys and Embiid and, you know, that whole discussion. So they should be up for that, um, which is cool. We always have trouble in Denver. Um, so that's, that's troubling. Um, but and also Denver started the season slow, but they seem to be hitting their stride now. So we're hitting them at the right time as we're still trying to figure out things. So that's that's going to be a bit troubling. I'm going to say we, we lose that game, but I think it should be a fun game. I think it should be really high scoring. And, you know, you're going to see some really uh, dynamic big men playing in that game. And then, you know, Denver has a lot of cool players, you know, like Will Barton, Wilson Chandler. Um, those guys are cool. Uh, you know, Jamal Murray can be exciting. Um, another big man that I that I like uh, that I think has potential hasn't shown a whole lot yet um, is Trey Lyles. If we go back to like trading for bigs and his salary small, so he could fit into a trade exception. And I don't know if it, I don't think his salary would get us to the hard cap yet. So that's a guy to keep an eye on if he's not getting minutes there later on in the season. Um, and then uh, who's who's next? Oh yeah, Oklahoma City. Uh, that's an interesting team, you know, on paper, they look like they should be great, but you know, they have a losing record and they're still trying to figure things out. And they have two guys that hold the ball a lot in Mello and Westbrook and Westbrook's trying to shed that, um, that perception of himself. I even saw him like with a, <laughs> did y'all see that play from the other night where he had like a clear layup at the yeah. rim or a dunk and he stopped and like kicked it back out for a turnover, you know, like I think, they have a lot of pressure to sort of change the, the their own personalities to appease the media right now. And once they figure that out, it, that either make it work or to be like, why do I need to change myself? I'm like a really good player. Let me just play my game and not worry about what people say. I think they'll be better. So I think unlike Denver, where we're hitting them, where they're figuring things out, um, that makes it more difficult. We're hitting Oklahoma City while they're still tr- really trying to figure things out. So in that sense, I think we have a little bit of advantage plus it's here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say we we surprise them. I'm I'm I, I'm just saying that I don't know. I don't ever look at Vegas lines. I don't know if they're favored or not, but they seem like on paper they would be the favorite team, and just by you know sort of their allure, um, they would be the favorite. But I think we'll win that one. And then it's so hard to win in San Antonio even without Kawhi Leonard that um that's going to be tough but i could see ad and uh that's a home game i believe kevin right san antonio is a home game is it yeah i think Uh, thunder and san antonio are both home games yeah i know okay well um i could see uh i could see ad and uh demarcus cousins given um how gasol and aldridge fits you know i i could see aldridge getting in foul trouble early and then gasol can't guard either of them um, but I think, you know, it'll be fun to sort of watch what Kyle Anderson does in that game. I've been watching the Spurs a lot, mainly because of him. Um, and it's pretty cool because you're going to see two teams that are playing uh, basically two guys center size, uh, which is unusual in this era, um, and are playing more of a small ball style, even though they have these two big guys. So I think that'll be a fun game. Um, and... Uh, Man, I don't, I don't know. I, it's tough for me to pick that one. I feel like on on paper, without Kawhi, we should win that game. But it, you know, it's so hard to pick against Popovich and uh, and the system he has going there. I'm gonna say that one's close. I'm gonna say we. I'm gonna say we lose that one by five points. All right, Ali, let's swing it over to you. Uh, and all three of these teams also have uh, difficult uh, stretches of games here. So we're we're all going to be fighting really hard right now. The Thunder have the the Spurs, the Blazers, and I can't remember who else. Uh, 
Uh, by the way, before I let Ali take over, uh, there's a great piece on the Nuggets by Zach Lowe today. So make sure you guys check that out if you want to know a little bit more about the Nuggets. All right, go ahead, Ali. What do you think the Pelicans do against the Nuggets tomorrow, the Thunder on Monday, and the Spurs on Wednesday? My swing game is the Nuggets game. I foresee us going minimum of one and two, and I think they're going to knock off the Spurs. But the Thunder, not so much. Somehow the Pelicans always – They'll have that issue of coming down and playing to the level of competition. When they, If two of the three guys, OKC, the studs, that's Westbrook, George, or Carmelo Anthony, have got it going, I think that's going to be a loss. So the swing game and where we could possibly maybe squeeze out a 2-1 and one record is going to be against the Nuggets. They've been honestly very hot and cold. I've seen them play two games, one where they looked awful in and another one where they demolished somebody. So... It's it's all going to come down to, Preston, honestly, how well these guys can defend, <laughs> honestly. Um, the Nuggets haven't gotten off to the best of, you know, starts this season, and that includes their three-point shooting. I don't know. I've watched Jamal Murray, and he doesn't look nearly as comfortable as he did last year. And then you've got Wilson Chandler, who's kind of not playing up to his level so far either. Um, and Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic aren't the world's biggest, most important three-point shooters. So that's a game I think the Pelicans can steal. So, you know, I'm, I'm staying one and two, but I'm hopeful for two and one. I think it's possible. So I don't know. How about you? What are you feeling? Well, one good bit of news is uh, Steven Adams is probably likely to miss this game on Monday. He's missed the last, uh, I think, three or four with a calf injury, and he did not play last night against the Bulls. So hopefully he'll be held out because he's somebody who could be difficult for DeMarcus Cousins to deal with. But uh, I don't know. I'm feeling pretty good. Why not two and one? Uh, I think I think Anthony Davis will really bounce back against Pau Gasol. Uh, he always seems to put up a lot of points against him. And uh, then it's just a, a, a swing game between – you know, the the Thunder and the Nuggets and gosh, the Nuggets, the Nuggets are actually playing well right now. They're eight and six, uh, but I don't know. I, I just think they find a way to win one of those games. Uh, if nothing else, that I, I wish I could be in town for that Thunder game, man. Watching the Thunder live with Russell Westbrook, you know, whatever night it is, he always brings that playoff atmosphere. So if nothing else, that's going to be an exciting one. But I'm going to say we're going to beat the Nuggets in Denver. We're all going to be super excited. We're going to come back here and we're going to laugh and talk about it. And uh, we're going to be sitting pretty well with, I mean, who knows what the Pelicans are going to look like with 30 minutes of Rajon Rondo. Uh, it's pretty exciting. So even though we lost that game against the Raptors, just seeing what the Pelicans could be uh, with with him on the floor just is really like filling me with optimism right now. But we'll see. We might come back to earth pretty quickly here. Let's wrap up here because we're right at that hour mark. This is going to be super easy for me to edit for uh, for Dash Radio. Uh, you guys, this is Ali Kosell, our editor. This is Kevin Berrios. Uh, follow them at Ali Cosell and at Kevin B for Bounce. I'm your host, Preston Ellis. As always, if you have a second, search the Bird Rights on your podcast app or on iTunes and scroll to the bottom and give us a five-star rating. Ali, any any parting shots, parting thoughts? No, I like the fact that you, you're ending this with an optimistic take because I truly think that I've seen enough out of this team now, out of all the parts around AD and DeMarcus, that's where we didn't see anything during the first 10 games or so. That there's there's a chance now that I think they could be that good team. They they just simply now have to gel. Um, everybody's got to come together, and it it's it's going to be that team game defensively. So yeah, I'm I'm filled with optimism. I'm hoping it comes together on this important ten game uh, next ten games because it's all against Western Conference teams, and most of them I believe outside of the Suns and maybe one other, they're all against playoff caliber play or teams. So let's see it. Let's go, pals. Thanks for listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Now, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Bird Rights NBA Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at The Bird Rights for all the best coverage on the Pels. And if you really like the show and you want to show us even more love, give us a rating and review on iTunes by searching The Bird Rights. Your support has gotten us up to 45,000 downloads thus far, a spot on Nothing But Net Radio here on the Dash, and a feature on the front page of Blog Talk Radio. Now, we'll be with with you guys all season, keeping you up to date on all the latest news on your favorite team. Let's go, pals!
say Metro by T-Mobile. Got the best deal in wireless, and it's all for you, all for me. Just switch quickly, because Metro has two lines for 80, and two Samsung Galaxy J7 Star phones for free, plus Amazon Prime included. That's the way wireless should be, only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. $50 plus rate plan required. Not valid for numbers currently on T-Mobile Network or on Metro in past 90 days. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance.